0: All right, this morning we're going to finish out the series we've done that we called Science and Doctrine in the Book of Job. We To give a brief overdue of what we covered, the first week we did a survey of the book of Job and we talked about how much information is contained in the book of Job. Even though the history of it tells us that it's one of the oldest books in all of the Bible, there's an amazing amount of accurate science and also doctrine. So we went through a lot of those verses. And then we, just to finish out, came to, we talked about last time I spoke, how Job was tried by God. Job remembers the power of God. And then this morning we'll talk about Job is corrected by God and Job is vindicated by God. So we have a short time this morning. I have just a lot of scripture. We know that the section of Job 38 through Job 41 is where God shows up and corrects Job, and he basically does it just by asking him a lot of questions. As we said, Elihu was the young man who was separate than the three friends of Job, whom God shows up and corrects in the end, and Elihu was angry. He seemed really harsh and hard on Job, but it said he was angry because Job sought to justify himself rather than God, and it's actually quite accurate with what God has to tell Job. Job, no doubt, was a man of great integrity, and it's why God bragged about him to Satan, and I don't know that any of us could have held up as well as Job did, but there's still only one God, and Job was not perfect, and in those middle chapters as he faced the false accusations from his friends, his focus was not on justifying God, it was rather on justifying himself, and how he thought that it was unfair what had happened to him. So let's read a little bit, just select passages from Job 38 and 39, because I want to get to the last chapter and finish this out this morning. Job 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. If we were to read all of the next four chapters, it's all the basic same premise of God saying, I'm God and you're not. I created the world. You didn't. I know things you don't know. As Isaiah says, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're higher. They're better. And we cannot question God. Sometimes we do not know why God does what he does or allows what he allows. But we always should know who God is and know his character and know that he's always good. Look down to verse 17 of chapter 38. Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare, if thou knowest it all, where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? That thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof, and that thou shouldest know the paths to the house thereof. Knowest thou it, because thou wast then born, or because the number of thy days is great? Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow, or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail, which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war? By what way is the light parted, verse 24, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth, who hath divided a watercourse for the overflowing of waters, or a way for the lightning of thunder, to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, on the wilderness wherein there is no man." to satisfy the desolate and waste ground and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth. Hath the rain a father or who hath begotten the drops of dew out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven who hath gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone and the face of the deep is frozen. Again, these chapters just continue. Job 39 13 through 25, I don't think we'll read it right now, but those are funny verses where God talks about the ostrich and how it's kind of goofy and how it doesn't really know what's going on. And then he talks about the horse who will say, I believe the the phrase is ha-ha, verse 25. He saith among the trumpets, ha-ha, he smelleth the battle afar off, the thunder of the captains and the shouting. He'll plunge into the battle and be your faithful rider and not be afraid. He laughs in the face of all that danger. And God is still just repeating over and over again, Job, I'm the creator and you're not. I'm God and you're not. You can't do what I do. You can't know what I know. Therefore, you should not question me. Job chapter 40 and verse one. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. Remember earlier in the book, Job had said, oh, where is God? I wish that I could come to his seat. Then I would plead my cause as a lawyer would with God. And I would have him to know what is going on. And he would explain to me and I'd say all these things. And then God has been correcting him for a few chapters. And he says, go ahead, Job. What do you want to say? Do you want to reprove me? Verse three. Then Job answered the Lord and said, behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. Now he says, rather than talk to God, I think I'll just be quiet and listen and see what God has to say. Verse five. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind and said, Gird up thy loins now like a man I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. Wilt thou also disannul my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me that thou mayest be righteous? Hast thou an arm like God or canst thou thunder with a voice? like him. He continues on talking about his creation for the rest of chapter 40. And then verse 41, he spends the entire chapter talking about Leviathan. And we already went through that when we were talking about the science in the book of Job and the sea creature, the monster that God had created that breathed fire and all of these things. God is correcting Job and he's saying, don't complain. I'm God. Trust me. Then we come to the last point in the last chapter, which is Job is vindicated by God. Job 42 and verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. He said at the beginning of chapter 40, verse 4, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. When we see God for who he is and for what he is and how holy he is, our reaction is always going to be to realize how sinful we are how not holy we are and how much we need God. Job truly repented. He received the correction of God. He said, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. To repent is to turn. It's to change. It's to agree with God that we are wrong to agree with God about our sin and to believe in him, not that we will turn from all sin perfectly and be sinless for the rest of our life. But where genuine salvation has occurred, genuine repentance has occurred, and there should be a change that will be evident to others around us. Proverbs 9, 8. I'll actually turn there and read it because I'm right here. Proverbs 9, 8. In verse number eight, the word of God says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. We all should be able to receive some rebuke, some reproof. If it's from someone who cares about us, someone who's coming from the right direction, someone who's speaking to into our life, the truth of the word of God. And in this instance, it was God himself that was reproving Job and rather than being angry, Rather than hating God or being a scorner, he was wise and he received it and he loved God. And he agreed with the spoken word of God that pointed out to him that he was wrong. When Isaiah had a vision where he came before the throne of God and and the seraphim said, holy, holy, holy is Lord God almighty. His reaction was the same as Job. He said, woe is unto me, for I am an unclean man of unclean lips. You see, in order to know where we are at, we have to see God where he is. Someone who does not know they are a sinner will not seek a savior. So in a fear of offending others, some people have neglected to speak to the fact that the Bible calls us sinner, that Job called himself vile. David called himself a worm. We need to realize that we are a sinful, lost creature in order that we would turn and seek God to be Our Savior, verse seven, and it was so after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. In this chapter, God shows up and he vindicates Job. If we were just reading this through as we would read a novel for the first time, we should stop when we come to the fact that his friends basically become a circular firing squad around Job. And it all comes down to this thesis. This much horrible things would not have happened to you unless your sin was so bad that you brought it upon yourself. But we should stop and remember and say, hey, wait a minute. In the first chapter, God was the one who initiated this whole thing by saying to the devil, hast thou considered my servant Job, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. But his friends came and spoke against Job. But in this instance, God himself shows up to set the record straight. And he says to those three men, ye have not spoken of me, the thing that is right. As my servant Job hath. Let's look at John chapter nine. We'll read just a couple verses here in John chapter nine and verse one. We read where Jesus said in the New Testament, judge not that ye be not judged. And yes, a lot of people abuse that verse to say, well, I can live however I want to and no one can tell me that I'm wrong because you're judging me, which is not what the verse is talking about. But how well would Job's friends have done to remember that God is the one who knows the hearts. God is the one who knows what is truly going on and it is not up to us to judge whether or not a brother or sister is being punished because their sin is worse than our sin. Rather, we should be like the Apostle Paul who said, I am the chief of sinners. Yes, he persecuted the church. Yes, he was a murderer. But surely there were more people who murdered more people than Paul did or persecuted more of the church than Paul did. I believe what God is telling us is that Paul looked at himself as the chief of sinners. And that's how I ought to look at my sin and how you ought to look at your sin. John chapter nine. We're reminded of Job's friends, at least I am, when we see the judgmentalness coming from the disciples here. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The same as Job's friends. Something bad must have happened. Therefore, someone sinned in a way worse than I have sinned because that hasn't happened to me. But look at what happened. And one of the great things that the book of Job teaches us is that it has given hope to generations of the church to, first of all, know that if we're going through fiery trials, horrible things, maybe it's not just that God has forgotten us or that God is angry with us or that God is punishing us for our sins. But maybe it is because God wants to give glory to himself through our trial. As Job said, when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. He still had faith to express. I'll come out on the other side of this and God's will will be done. But his disciples no doubt forgot this lesson from the book of Job. They had the book of Job. It was in the Old Testament. James, when he wrote his epistle, said, "Ye have heard of the patience of Job. But they did not get that lesson or the lesson of judge not, lest ye be judged. What a presumptuous question. This man was born blind. Did his parents sin or did he sin? How was he supposed to have sinned before he was even born that God got angry and struck his sight? Verse three, Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And God healed him and God got a lot of glory and people came to Christ because of what this man had gone through to that point in his life to be born blind. It was a part of God's will. Sometimes people are born with things that are wrong. Sometimes we go through trials just as a result of being in a fallen world. One man sinned, death entered by sin. It's a natural consequence. But sometimes the word of God teaches us there are certain people who go through worse trials, worse situations than we have. And it's not because they did something worse than we did. It's simply in the plans of God that something good may come about because of it. Let's turn back to Job 42. Job 42, seven. Ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. Let's continue in verse eight. Therefore, take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly in that ye have not spoken to me the thing which is right like my servant Job. So many interesting things in this last chapter of the book of Job. But here we see the principle that before God wanted Job's friends to get right with him, he wanted them to get right with Job. He said, go to my servant Job and have him help you offer this sacrifice. It was to be done together with Job and with his friends. In one place, Jesus said, if you are praying and you remember that you have something between you and your brother, stop praying, get up, go find your brother and make it right with him. And then after that, come back and pray. But he says, go to Job, and Job shall pray for you, and him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly. Such strong words from God. Again, what is he doing in this chapter? He's vindicating Job. So Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite went and did according as the Lord commanded them, The Lord also accepted Job and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. God turned God forgave Job's friends when they went to Job and sought his forgiveness and they both made sacrifice to God. God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. What did Job do? He forgave them. He's already been corrected by God and had to repent himself. So he looks at his friends and says, I'll forgive them as well. I'll have mercy on them. We're all sinners. And God blessed the fact that he did not allow bitterness to come into his heart. We know, I believe it's the book of Hebrews that says, lest there be a root of bitterness springing up and thereby trouble you bitterness is like a root the bible says it's it may be small but it grows and if we don't pull it up completely by the root it will continue to grow and thereby trouble you bitterness and unforgiveness will hurt you not just the person you refuse to forgive whether they deserve it or not because oh by the way jesus likes to remind us i forgave each and every one of you for the fact that i had to be crucified on a cross and none of you deserve it therefore forgive your brothers and your sisters, whether they deserve it or not, because I have forgiven you all. Genesis chapter 50. Let's read a couple of verses here and then finish up in Genesis, in Job 42 and we'll be done. Genesis chapter 50. We know the whole story of Joseph. His brothers were not very nice to him. There was favoritism in that family for generations and they hated their brother and they sold him into slavery. An unspeakable thing to do to your own brother. Now God has elevated Joseph out of prison to be second in command of Egypt and to save his family alive. And now their father is old and dies. Verse 15, Genesis fifty fifteen, and his brothers start to worry. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will preadventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. They did not forgive Joseph for his presumptuous telling of his dreams or for being their father's favorite. But now they need forgiveness. Be careful in withholding forgiveness from others because you may be in a position one day to look back and realize you were not perfect. And now you want your children to forgive you in the way that you refuse to forgive your parents or whatever the situation may be. Verse 18 and his brethren also went and fell down before his face and they said behold we be thy servants and Joseph said unto them fear not for am i in the place of god Joseph knew it is not our place to seek vengeance or revenge that belongs to god vengeance is mine i will repay saith the lord he said i'm not going to play the the part of god verse 20 but as for you ye thought evil against me but god meant it unto good to bring it to pass As it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Let's go back to Job 42. Joseph, in essence, is saying there, how can I be bitter against you if I know that God allowed this to happen And had some good plan behind it. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Why would we stay bitter at people who have hurt us if we look back and see God worked some eternal fruit through us being persecuted in our life and potentially in the life of others? It doesn't mean we allow people to continue to hurt us or our family. But it does mean we do not hold bitterness in our heart and allow it to destroy us, but rather look and see the God, the good that God would like to do through it. OK, almost out of time. Let's just finish out this chapter here. The end of verse 10, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. What a wonderful thing God did for Job. Verse 11 Then came there unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all they that had been of his acquaintance before and did eat bread with him in his house. And they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money and every one an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels, and a 1,000 yoke of oxen, and a 1,000 she-asses. And he also had seven sons and three daughters, 10 more children that God has blessed Job with. And he called the name of the first, Jemima, and the name of the second, Keziah, and the name of the third, Karen Hopak. I even Googled how to pronounce that this morning. Verse 15, and I still don't think I did it right. And in all the land were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. After this lived Job an hundred and forty years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. I'm glad the Bible doesn't end with Jesus was laid in a tomb and they rolled a stone in front of it. I'm glad the Bible doesn't end with Job 41. I'm glad that Jesus raises from the dead. I'm glad that God comes back and vindicates his servant Job and gives him twice as much as he had before. And whatever we go through for the Lord is not in vain. He did say he will reward us. We may not all have such a dramatic experience as Job, where God shows up and says, your friends are wrong. You were right. And here's twice as much as you had before. But Jesus did tell Peter that the rich young ruler came and wouldn't repent, wouldn't leave behind what he had to follow Jesus. And then Peter said, well, we've forsaken all. What shall we then have? We must be pretty special, right? But Jesus did say to him, whosoever forsakes lands, fathers, mothers, or houses shall receive an hundredfold in this life and in the world to come eternity. He says our blessings, whatever we forsake, he'll give us back a hundredfold, maybe not in exact material measure." But if we have to break with our family because we serve Christ, we receive a new family, countless in the day and age in which we live, brothers and sisters in Christ. And God does promise that whatever we go through for him, it will bring about eternal blessings and eternal rewards. I think the last thing I forgot to say was it does mention in verse nine, all three of Job's friends by name, but he does not mention Elihu, the young man, God never corrected him. So much of what he had to say, God just let him alone and let him speak because his motivation was that God be justified rather than just Job, which is what God showed up and corrected Job over. All right, we're out of time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray you bless these simple thoughts this morning. I pray you bless the service that is to come. And pastor, as he preaches to us, that your will would be done here in your house today. We ask these things in Jesus name. Amen.